The Lord be with you. Let us pray. God of us all, may the fire of your spirit shed light on your word, O God. As we dwell in your word, may we find a breath of fresh air, a word for our hearts, a light for our path. In Christ, amen. The lesson today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The the sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It is now 50 days after the resurrection event. And for 40 of those post-resurrection days, Jesus has walked once again with his disciples. He has alternately hidden from them and shown up in front of them. He's cooked with them, he's ate with them, he's shared words of comfort, words of understanding, words of of mission. 
He has laid the foundation for their new life and ministry in his name. They have nearly returned to a, a state of, of normalcy. On the 40th day, Jesus is carried up into the clouds. And following the ascension event, the disciples return to Jerusalem, filled with joy and thanksgiving, to worship God. They await the arrival of the promised advocate, the Holy Spirit. Finally, the day of Pentecost arrives. It happens in an instant, in a rush and in a roar. The Holy Spirit comes and it changes everything. The Holy Spirit comes as the rightful conclusion to the story of the resurrection, the dismantling of life as it was, which began during Holy Week. It comes, then and only then, is the work of Holy Week truly complete. It comes. Then and only then are the disciples equipped to be the people that God needs them to be, moving towards new creation in Christ's name. It comes. It feels easier to talk about the Spirit than it does to, than it does to describe who the Spirit is. The Spirit gives Jesus' followers the ability to speak and to understand. The Spirit prompts Jesus' followers to tell the good deeds of, of God's power, to share the good news. The Spirit promises insight, vision, empowerment to all the flesh, sons and daughters, young and old, slaves and free. There is no limit. There is no aspect of exclusion of who will receive the Spirit's power. All are included. All are united. All matter in God's creation. And that's just in today's passage. Impressive. Throughout the Bible, book after book, chapter after chapter, verse after verse, the acts of the Holy Spirit are recounted beginning at the dawn of creation, when God breathes over the waters in Genesis, to the moment a young woman is filled by the Holy Spirit and conceives, eventually giving birth to a child who will change human history. And in the moment of Jesus' own baptism, when he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, the work of the Holy Spirit. The recounting of its life-giving and life-changing power goes on and on. The Holy Spirit matters in creation. It matters in our lives of faith. It matters in our understanding of God, of Christ, of one another. It comes and it changes everything. And that concludes the Sunday school portion of this sermon. It felt a bit like a Sunday school lesson, didn't it? I told you everything that you needed to know about the Spirit. Kind of, sort of. And everything I said is, is true. It's true. I wonder, though, when's the last time you were so filled with the Spirit, so overcome with joy, bordering on ecstasy, that someone mistook you for drunk at 9 a.m.? Anyone? And I'm saying drunk on the spirit, not drunk <laughs> on alcohol. I'm saying drunk on the spirit. There was confusion in the other services. <laughs> Anyone? Yeah, I, I haven't either. I've never had that moment of intoxication at 9 a.m. And the truth is, I don't believe we modern Christians really know, at least in the Protestant tradition, know what to do with the spirit. 
or, or how to acknowledge the Spirit in our life. We treat the Spirit kind of like a distant relative who we, who we see uh, every five years at the family reunion. We know them, but we don't really know much about them. We're certainly not going to share too much about ourselves with them. We might, we might cross paths in line for macaroni salad. But that's really it. And I believe we come by that honestly, that, that distance. And I think a lot of that has to do with our lack of approachable understanding. The Apostle Paul developed this really wonderful, elaborate theology of the Holy Spirit. Really wonderful and elaborate thing. You could write books about it. In fact, people have written books about this. And it provides us with such a nice list of all the things the Spirit does and, and, and gives. And we love lists. We love, we love, love, love when things are described. And we love to talk about how those gifts are supposed to be used in other people's lives. And yet, anytime you make a list, you limit a thing. You reduce its presence. You box it in. You clip its wings. That's, that's one way in which we distance ourselves from the Holy Spirit. I think another way is that in our modern world, we're afraid of what people will think of us. We're afraid of what people will think of us if we permit the, tr- the Spirit to truly shape our lives. If we acknowledge its presence with joy and thanksgiving at 9 a.m. On, on a Sunday morning or Tuesday morning or Friday morning. I mean, God forbid someone think we're Pentecostal. <laughs> and so we treat the Holy Spirit like that distant relative that we encounter every five years at the family reunion. And yet, it comes. It has been set free. It changes everything. Perhaps momentarily we need to let go of our lofty theological ideas of the Spirit and and lay down our fears of what others might think of us and acknowledge a few simple truths about our lives with the Spirit. And then perhaps we'll better understand its presence with us here and now. If you have ever been moved to say a prayer on behalf of another person, you have experienced the work of the Spirit in your life. If you have ever chosen empathy over apathy to do something for the benefit, the betterment of another, binding yourself more closely to another member of God's creation, you have experienced the work of the Spirit in you. If you have ever been inspired to forgive someone who wronged you or to seek forgiveness from someone whom you have wronged, then you have experienced the work of the Spirit in you. If you have ever loved without condition, expecting nothing in return, refraining from counting the cost, you have experienced the work of the Spirit in you. If you've ever given your time and your gifts to a stranger, recognizing their life as precious to God, as precious as your own, then you have experienced the work of the Spirit 
in you? Have you experienced any of those moments in your life? then you have experienced the work of the Spirit in you. The Spirit is here in you, in me, in all of us. It is here, and it gives. It gives us the vision for the life God dreams for us. It gives us the ability to accept acceptance, to be reshaped, reborn, and renewed. It gives us the conviction to build bridges that we will never cross in our lifetimes. Yet those who follow behind us will inherit a better, more beautiful world. It gives, and it changes everything. When I was a little boy on my grandparents' farm, one of my most treasured memories uh, was skipping stones with my cousins, uh, Mike and Josh farm had a number of ponds and, and cricks, so we were never without a source for, for skipping stones. Plus, it was pretty safe that we couldn't hurt each other. <laughs> well, we could, but you get the point. And so at one point in my life, I considered myself an expert skipper. I could skip, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever skipped a stone across water? For real? And what does the stone produce on the surface of water? One answered, one whispered it. Ripples, ripples. Or to be more precise, concentric circles. Circles that go out and change the surface of the water. And those circles, once unleashed, cannot be contained cannot be stopped. The water will never be the same as it was before the stone skipped across its surface. When you accept the Spirit in your life, when you live with the Spirit, your life becomes like a skipped stone across the surface of water. In that, your actions and your words produce a ripple effect, a concentric circle that is felt by every life around you. Because life with the Spirit is not vertical. It is horizontal. It moves out from within us, encircling and empowering and changing life around us. I wonder, how are you living with the Spirit? Do you permit the Spirit to inspire and renew and reshape your life? I wonder how your life is empowering and encircling creation around you. You see, without the Spirit, we're just people telling stories about Jesus. But with the Spirit, we are people living into the story of Jesus. Do you see the difference? So do you want to tell a story, or do you want to live in the story? Thanks be to God. Amen.